Good morning. If you have your Bibles, turn to Malachi chapter 2. I've provided a little sheet in your bulletin where you can hopefully take a few notes, write down some scripture. Any way the Lord might speak to you, I think it'll help you throughout the week. And as you're turning in your Bible, I just want to let you know some things that we've been able to do over the last few weeks. And one of them is the Saturday after Thanksgiving. We do this every fourth Saturday. Go down to Providence Elementary School and and are part of the food bank feeding families. Over 70 families are served each week. A group of our volunteers go. And, and if you're interested in that, fourth Saturday, uh, I think it's about a three, four-hour commitment. You can bring, uh, go Lorraine Grimes, or you can go on the webpage, and you can see everything. Call the church. We can, we can help you get away. Also, uh, Friday night, we had a Department of Social Service party. For all our foster kids, we had 200 people here. We had judges and social workers, 18 social workers, foster kids, foster families. I mean, it was just, it was awesome. And let me, we gave out gifts. What we did, almost over $15,000 in gifts of your generosity and your giving. And then we were, as a church, were able to bless the social workers. Here's one family said, we are, we are a foster family at the event tonight and want to express my gratitude for the way you showed the love of Christ to our community, to our family, and to our foster child. I had the joy of watching some teenager foster boys open their gifts from your church. It was tremendous. I pray your generosity would point them to Jesus. Would you please thank your church family? So I'm just thanking you for, for what we've been able to do and what we've been able to accomplish. Why don't you give them a hand, will you? They had some, some kids from group homes that came and were a part of the service. So just a great, great night. One, there was a kid, they, they were about real close to the same age, a foster kid, and then he was part of a family that had a biological kid that was the same age. And the biological kid was a little upset that he was getting all these gifts, and the foster kid said, well, you should have just been a foster kid then, and you could have... <laughs> You could have got these gifts, so that was exciting. And then, and we also gave a family gift, so we blessed the kid, the foster kid, with a bunch of stuff, and then we give the foster family gifts. I know some of you gave a, a, a season pass to the kids' museum, or even I saw some amusement park passes, just all kind of stuff. So again, thank you. And then tonight, two more things, and then we'll get into Malachi. Tonight at Beaumont, we go there every Sunday night, have been for the last 14, 16 months. Sherry Fleck leads that. And by the way, if you're interested in this foster community, again, there's an avenue, there's a, there's a place where you can serve. Just let us know. We'll plug you in and put you in the right direction. But every Sunday night at Beaumont, it's a juvenile detention center. And tonight, one of the residents is speaking. So it's just, that's a tremendous, we've seen him grow and mature and, and give his life to the Lord, and now he's going to be preaching to his fellow inmates. So what a, what a night, what a, what, a, what a great, 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 great testimony. And so Sunday nights, you're available to go. And then one last thing, in your bulletin again, there's an envelope for our next Sunday, for our year-end giving, to help uh, buy this house for Grace Home. And I don't want to bore you, but there might be some people that have not heard we're partnering with Grace Home Ministry to buy a house to house, it's a residential home for pregnant teenagers, ages 13 to 20. They'll come to the home, they'll get some discipleship, life skills, learn how, these are at-risk kids, they'll, they'll get some help, they'll, they can have their baby, they can stay with their baby for a season, and, and, and then we just, hopefully we're preparing them for life, saving two lives at one time, and getting, getting them ready for what the future holds. So next week, December 13th, we're encouraging everybody to bring a generous offering. Everything that's put in the, in the envelope 
that's given, if you give online or however you give, just make sure you put Grace, Grace Home in the memo or whatever. Every dollar given will go to that ministry. I'm just encouraging you. Will you be, will you be generous? Will you ask? I, again, I don't want you to be manipulated or coerced. I want you to respond to the voice of the Holy Spirit. What might the Holy Spirit be asking you to do? And then have the courage to do it. Amen? Malachi chapter 2. We've been in this book for now four or five weeks, and, and uh, it's a word from the Lord to his children, Malachi. Let's get right to, to Malachi 2.10, the first part of 2.10. If you're following along on your phone or in your Bibles or whatever, here's what it says. Malachi means messenger. He's writing to Israel. He's already had a lot of hard words. If you haven't been here, go back and watch previous messages. This is a burden. So right out the gate, you got to know these are not easy messages that Malachi preached. But he's setting the, the next section up. And he says, are, are, are we not all children of the Father? And that, that's, a, that's a real theme in the book of Malachi. You read it and you'll see Father a lot of times. And, and, it, and it just it means affection. I'm affectionate Father. I'm a good Father. I'm a loving Father. I'm a compassionate Father. I'm a generous Father. I don't know what kind of earthly Father you had. Good or bad, but I can tell you this, God is nothing like your, he's so much more, he's so much better, he's so much more, he's just, he's just, he is a spiritual father and he's good. And then he said, are we not all created by the same God? So not only is my father, but he's my creator. So if, as children of God, we've been adopted into his family. So now we're his children and we've also been created by him. And so Malachi's point we'll learn is, look, he's your father. He loves you, and he's good, and he wants to be good to you, and he created you, so you've got to allow him to speak into your life. If he's your father, and if he's your creator and your sustainer, then what he says must, must be important. What he talks about must matter. So when he speaks, and when he, when he commands, and when he asks, I better have my ears open and my heart responsive and my, my mind aware because he's good and he created me, knows what's best for me, I better, I, I better respond. And, and here's, here's it's, it's, this word is really a discipline. It's, it's a correction. Israel is out of whack spiritually. And so we go to the New Testament, Hebrews 12, 5. I'll come back to Malachi. But, but the writer says, my child, don't ignore when the Lord disciplines you. Don't ignore when he speaks a hard word to you. It's for your good. It's for your benefit. It's for the good of the kingdom. Don't ignore it. Don't. Well, who is he? Who does he think he is? He's your father. That's who he is. He's your creator. He's the one that gave you life and breath. You're here today because of him. That's who's disciplined you if he needs to. And don't be discouraged when I correct you. Because it goes on to say, if a father doesn't discipline or correct his child, he's illegitimate. He doesn't, he doesn't even matter. I, I got five kids. I would, be, I would do them a disservice if I didn't correct them when they got off that. I, I, would, I would not be a good father if I just allowed them to do whatever, whenever, however. I mean, we've been stu we are stewards of our children to help mold them and shape them and discipline them. And God is saying, look, an earthly father disciplines his kids, has to correct his kids. Don't get all upset. Don't, 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 don't stiff arm me. Don't, don't, don't say, well, I'm not listening to that. No, God's your creator. He's your father. And when he loves you, he corrects you at times. And so what's the correction about? What, what's going on? Why, why the need for this? And why did I even say this? Because this is what it says. Why are you, here's the correction. Why, why are you guys faithless to each other? 
So I just want you to get this picture. God is saying to his children, look, guys, I love you. I'm for you. But we got to have a come to Jesus meeting. What you're doing is not going to end the way you'd hoped for. The path you're going down is not going to lead to that life that you thought you're going to have. The direction you're going, you've you, you got you to readjust. You've got to come under agreement and alignment with me. And in this case, why are you faithless to each other? It's, gonna, it's talking about marriage. In just a minute, I'll get to it. Why are you violating the covenant of our ancestors? Write down the word covenant and beside it write binding agreement. We live in a contract society today. It's all about, if you know anything about the sports world, they can be broken very easily. And we, I mean, you even talk about your world. I have Verizon, Comcast calls every now and then. Hey, if you'll switch, you sign a two-year contract, then I'll give you, we'll, we'll give you $99. You can just push Verizon away. And if you don't like it in two years, you can get out of that. And you can go back to Verizon. You can do whatever you want to do. I, I was a member of American Family Fitness for a while, and, and my membership was just about to expire. And they called several times, emailed, text, whatever. Hey, your, your contract's about to expire. If you want this rate, then you better sign back up within the next month. I mean, I'll, just this contract mentality, this idea that the AT&T, I got an AT&T phone, if you upgrade, you sign a two-year contract, then we'll give you a better phone. And this contract mentality crosses over into marriage often. And we say, well, I'll stay in this, and, and let me just illustrate it, I'll stay in this unless Comcast offers me a better package, or unless Verizon comes out with a better phone, or unless Gold's Gym can give me a better rate. And when you, this is what you got to know. When you got married, you weren't entering a contract. This is what God is saying. Hard word, challenging word. I love you. I want what's best for you. You weren't entering a contract. You were entering a covenant. And a covenant is so much more than a contract. We don't use the word covenant much today. But in the Old Testament, it was used three, over 300 times. And a contract's about loopholes. How can I get out of this when a better offer comes along? A contract is about loyalty. A, I mean a covenant rather a contract's about how can I get out a covenant's how can I get through this contract's about feelings covenant about faith contract is very selfish covenant is selfless contract says what do I get covenant says what can I give a contract is conditional you meet the, contra the, con the contract's uh, issues and what we've written up then I'll stay in it but a covenant is unconditional and this is marriage a marriage is a covenant and it's more about trust and terms character than convenience it's more about giving than receiving a contract is about legalities and leverage a covenant is about love and loyalty listen to what Malachi 2:14. I'll skip down I'm gonna bounce around about eight verses she is your partner the wife of your marriage contract no, your marriage covenant. It's a, it's a, it, it means a blood-binding agreement between you and your spouse. And, and what, I mean, there were other kind of covenants. That God made an Abrahamic covenant with Abraham, and, and it was binding. It was, it was not going to go away. David made a covenant with Jonathan, his best friend. And, and, and it wasn't just some contract. Well, if you treat me right, if you do right, then, then we'll... No, no, no. We're committed to this thing for life. We are covenanting it together. In a contract, in a, in, a, in a contract, people leave when it doesn't meet their needs. In a covenant, nobody leaves, period. Because she's the part, your, your partner, the wife of your marriage, covenant. I've, I've probably, I don't know, I've tried to look back. I've performed about 40 or 50 
wedding ceremonies over the last years, and, 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 and most of them follow the same. And you know, when you think about marriage and the marriage ceremony, it's not something we just created recently. This, this pattern's been around for a long time, and it really symbolizes something. You're, you're going into a, a covenant, a blood bond of life and death, an all-or-nothing agreement. And I'm going to walk you through it real quick. When the, when the bride comes down the aisle, you know what they call that? And, and I, I don't think it's humorous, but they call it a walk of death. She's dying to self. Some of you said, yeah, she did. But walk of death. She's, she's, she's coming. And she's saying, I am giving up my rights and taking on my responsibilities. I'm relinquishing everything else and I'm covenanting with this man that I'm walking down. The runner is usually right that they walk on. It just represents holy ground. It's, it's, where, it's, it's illustrated in Moses when he got in the presence of God. He took off his shoes. The parents have a prominent position. Why? Well, one, they paid for it, but that's not the main reason. The main reason is because the cord is being cut, and they're putting their blessing on this covenant relationship. And you ask, well, why does the groom go first? Because he's the initiator. He stepped up. He stepped out. He asked for her hand. And it doesn't end there. When there's a fight, when there's an argument, he's the initiator. He makes sure he, he reconciles. He, he takes the initiative to make sure the relationship is right standing. And then they say their vows. It's some part, because with a covenant, vows are always a part of a covenant. And the vows say, I promise to honor and cherish you, to respect and encourage you, to pray with you and pray for you, in sickness and in health, in plenty and in want. I'll remain faithful to you and only you as long as we both shall live. It's a spoken agreement. And why is that? Because there's power in your words. So you, you speak words of life over one another. Then you exchange rings. And they're a circle. It means they have no beginning or ending. It's just like our love. It's going to be eternal. Just like God loves us, we're going to love one another. And then um, a lot of times they'll light unity candles. And, and so they'll have two at the beginning and, and one in the middle. And they'll light the one and blow out the other. And it just represents the two are becoming one. And then there's the pronouncement and, and the kiss that kind of seals it. And then we exchange names. Hey, I now present to you Mr. and Mrs. She takes on her name. And then you know what? The last walk, again, it's called a walk of death. And together they walk out as people celebrate and clap and, and get excited. And, and you know what? They're walking. They're saying, again, I die to self. I die to my what I want. I die to, to, to my ambition. I die to everything and I'm surrendering my, my, my life to this spouse. I'm gonna, we're no longer two, but now we're one. What I used to want to do, now we're, we're going to do it together. It's a, it's a covenant. And here's what Malachi says about the covenant. And here's, here's, let me get to this verse and I'll come back to that. In Judah, in Israel, and in Jerusalem, there's a treachery. Now we just talked about covenant, right? And I'm setting you up. What does treachery mean? Write this down. Write the word treachery and write violation of faith. Betrayal of trust. Just get one of them if you can. I'm going fast. Changing of allegiance. It means breaking covenant. Look, she's your wife, the, your partner, the, the wife of your marriage covenant. But now in these nations, there's, there's a breaking of covenant. For the, why? Why the hard words? Why, why the challenge? For the men of Judah have defiled the Lord's beloved sanctuary by marrying women who worship idols. Here's the first thing I want you to know. Let me go back. Here's first point. Write this down. If you're that's not right. It should say, this is what it should say. Single believers marry believers. Listen to the verse again. The Lord's beloved sanctuary by marrying woman, women who are worshiping 
idols. God, God is saying, hey, hey, let's just have a come to Jesus meeting. I want what's best for you. And remember, it's all in this context of I want life and peace for you. I want you to experience abundant life, and I want you to know peace that passes all understanding in Malachi 2.4. And so look, this is what I want you to do. I want, I want Mary, if you're a believer, you need to marry a believer. And when you don't, you're breaking covenant. Not only with me, but you're setting yourself up. for. Well, you say, well, that's the Old Testament. Let me give you the New Testament. 2 Corinthians 6, 14 and 16. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. Don't join together. How can goodness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? How many want to hear the word of God today? You don't want to hear my opinion. You don't want to hear what culture says. You want to hear God's word. This is the word of the living God. This is the God who created you and is your father. If you're a teenager today, if you're a young adult, if you're a person that is single, God is saying, God is speaking. Well, that, that just doesn't make sense. That's not our culture. I'll never be able to get married. God, because he loves you and because he's your father. And we often want to stiff arm him and say, well, he doesn't know what he's talking about. No, he wants you to have life and peace. Therefore, don't team up. Don't partner. Don't play around relationally with a somebody that's not of the same faith. Don't, how can goodness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? I mean, it's very, very clear in God's scripture. Both And listen, I'm not, no condemnation. I'm not, I'm just, just like, can I just preach the word and you know that I'm telling you, I just want what's best for you. And God does. So he says, look, single believers you need to marry believers you want life and peace you want to honor me you don't want to break covenant with me then do it my way and so here here's write this down did, did i already tell you right single believers married did i already tell you that here, this, so this is what you can do and some people say well who who can tell me who to marry? who's got the right to tell me who to marry well god does he's your father he's your creator and so this is what you can do the the first thing you can do is you can just sin you say, I'm gonna, I don't care. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I, I'm going to sleep with who I want to sleep with. I'm going to move in with who I want to move in with. I know better than God. It's just different today. I'm not going to be alone regardless. And you say you sin. This is what I know. The two greatest decisions you'll make in your life, who you're going to serve and who you're going to marry. Two greatest decisions. Who you're going to serve and who you're going to marry. And then you, you, can, you can say, I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. And, and according to the word of God, it's sin. Listen to Galatians 6, 7 and 8. Don't be misled. Remember that you cannot ignore God and get away with it. You hear that? You, you're going to, you, you can't. It, why? Is this a mean God? No, he's a good God. He's just got principles in place and he... And he's, and he's got a way that we're supposed to live. And when you try to do it your way, don't think, don't, don't think, well, I'll get away with it. Everybody else has, what's the big deal? Remember, you cannot ignore God and get away with it. You can't stiff arm him and say, I'm going to do it my way. Because a man will always reap just the kind of crop he sows. If he sows to please his own wrong desires, and anything outside of Scripture is a wrong desire. He will be planting seeds of evil, and he will surely reap a harvest of spiritual decay and death. He'll die spiritually, relationally, physically, emotionally. When you do things outside the will of God, it, 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 it creates death. But if he plants the good things of the Spirit... 
the things that the Word of God tell him to do, the things that, that the Spirit of God tell him to do, he will reap the everlasting life that the Holy Spirit gives him. And let us not get tired of doing what's right. Don't give up. Well, hey, they're doing it, and they seem to be doing okay. Eventually, it's going to catch up to them. So let's just keep doing the right thing. Let's not give up in, in obeying the Word of God and submitting to His Spirit and surrendering to His will. For, for if you do that, eventually you're going to reap a harvest of blessing if you don't get, give up and get discouraged. So, so you can sin. I mean, obviously, God's given you a free will. You can do whatever you want to do. You know what? Here's the second thing. You can settle. You can take matters into your own hands and say, well, I, you know, I'll, I'll marry somebody that believes in God, but, but he's just not an atheist. But he's not going in the same maybe direction I am, but, 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 I, but I'm just going to settle with it. Again, if you're, if you're single today, teenager, young person, you're older and, and a single you know, I'd, I'd make two lists. I would. I would say, what do I want in a spouse? And the number one thing is, are they serving God? Another thing is, are we going in the same direction spiritually? And then the second list I would make is, what do I want to give to my spouse? What kind of person do I want to be? And I would work on those things. And I, and I would work on me more than I kept looking. And I would say, this is what I want to bring into the marriage. As I'm waiting for this person, for God to give me, I'm going to allow him to mold me and shape me and create me. So when I enter the marriage, this is what I'm going to bring to it. And I'm just, I'm just, I just want to encourage you again, don't settle. Don't settle. Some of us have, you just, you have too high of expectations. You know, some of you guys, you want to marry Miss America. The problem is you're not Mr. America. It's just, it's just, it's just not going to work. <laughs> you're looking at these high expectations, and you're like a low expectation on the, on the girls list. You got to be, you know, we got some of, she's got to be able to dunk a basketball in high heels. You know, I want her sexy and athletic. You just, you, you just, it's just crazy. You got you to have it. But some of us got too low expectations. If they breathe, they're, they're, they're possible, possible candidates. You know, they wiggle when they walk. They're a possible mate. You know, I just, I just, you just so, you can settle. Here's another thing. You can suffer. And I'm going way too long with this. This one's supposed to take this long. You can suffer. You can beat yourself up. Well, I'm single. Nobody wants me. I'm, I'm used baggage. You can allow other people to beat you up. Some of you singles hate going to weddings because you know Aunt Bertha, she's going to corner you and say, you're not married yet, girl. What's wrong with you? And you're just, you're just going to feel this, this put, you know, this, and the devil can beat you up. And you can, you can stay in that or, or you can delight in the Lord. And the Bible says he'll give you the desires of your heart. Or here's the thing I want you to do. I want you to surrender. God, you're my creator and my father. You've promised to take care of me and provide for me. And I'm trusting you and I'm seeking you. And, and I'm going I'm to become the person you want me to be as a spouse. And I, I'm going to enjoy the place and the season and the stage that I'm in now. Because the Bible says the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. And if I'll trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean not on my own understanding. If I'll acknowledge him in all my ways, then he's promised to direct my steps. You're not second class. I, I just don't want you to settle. I, don't want, I want you to surrender to the will of the Lord. And the will of the Lord is, if you're a believer and you're single, marry a believer. It's better to be single than miserably married. You can, you can ask somebody that's miser, miserably married. That, that's, that's the truth. It's better to be single than miserably married. So, so that's the first thing. Here's the next thing. Here's another thing you do. 
I mean, don't you love Malachi? I mean, just, just laying it out. First, you're, you're marrying unbelievers. You're marrying people that are worshiping other gods, and it's wrong, and you're breaking covenant. But here's another thing you do. You cover the Lord's altars with tears. Why aren't you listening to us, God? We need your help. You're weeping and groaning because he pays no attention to your offerings, and he doesn't accept them with pleasure. You cry out, why has the Lord abandoned us? Where is he? Why isn't he responding to me? Why, why has it seems like he has a deaf ear? Well, I'll tell you why, Malachi said. Because the Lord witnessed the vows you and your wife made to each other on your wedding day when you were young. He witnessed. God was there. You know, I, I said that wedding ceremony. God is your witness at that wedding ceremony. But you have been disloyal to her. Though she remained your faithful companion, the wife of your marriage vow. So the fir- here, here's the first principle. Single believers, married believers. Here, here's the next principle Malachi is telling us. If you're married, stay married. Write that down. If married, stay married. And, and, and here's, it, let me just give you a little bit more background and then we'll, we'll try to wrap this up. I'll bring it back all together. What, what does Jesus say about divorce? It needs to be talked about because our culture has trivialized divorce and made light of divorce and, and it's just, you know, it doesn't matter. Here's what Jesus said. You have heard that it is said anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. This is in Matthew chapter 5. It's the Sermon on the Mount. Remember in context, he just talked about the, the, if, if you, the, it used to say if you commit adultery, you're an adulterer. But, but I say... If you look lustfully at a woman, you've already committed adultery in your heart. It said just right before this, it said, the Bible says that if you, the, you've heard that it said, if you kill somebody, you're a murderer. But I say, if you have malice in your heart towards them, you've already committed murder in your heart. And now we get to this. You've heard that it said, that you just got to give a certificate of divorce to your wife. And what, what is that all about? What's that certificate of divorce? In Jesus' day when he walked on the earth. And I've done a lot of research. You, got, you can do the research, but, but I hope you'll trust me on this. Divorce was very common. It was very cheap and simple and accepted and frequent. And men could dismiss their wives for any reason. I mean, bad hair day, gone. Burnt meal, gone. Didn't matter. A man could have a harem as long as he did it on the installment plan. As long as he did it one woman at a time. And as long as he produced this certificate of divorce. Divorce was a common way of fulfilling lust without committing adultery. They had distorted God's word to accommodate their sin. Sounds like what we do today. They have distorted God's word to accommodate their sin. And their rationale was, well, I'm not committed adultery because she's my wife. And it doesn't matter how many wives I've had. And when I get tired of her, I'll divorce her and get another one. And God's okay with that because I have produced a certificate of divorce. Where did that even come from? Well, you got to study the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, back in Moses' day, divorce was very common. It was, getting, it was happening at a drop of a hat. And so there were, what was happening was all these women were becoming victims. Men were leaving them, and they had nowhere to go, nowhere to turn, no finances, no ability to make money. And, and some of them were even turning to prostitution. And so he had all these victims. And so, and so God gave man a free will, and he wasn't putting his stamp of approval on divorce. He was just saying, hey, man, we got this issue, and we've got to slow it down. And so he allowed Moses, if a man could prove immorality... Or if the, and if there was two witnesses to verify the immorality, and if two witnesses would to sign their certificate, then God, through Moses, would allow 
divorce. But listen to me, God was not affirming divorce. He was dealing with the realities that were before him. Men were deserting their wives. God could not force them to stay together. And, and I said it earlier, divorce was creating this, this, this host of victims. And God was establishing a way to slow the occurrence of divorce and protect women who were being victimized. Yet the Jews were using this as a justification for their actions. And here's what Jesus said about it in Matthew 19.8. So Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. That's not God's intent. That was not his desire. And when he said that, really the air goes out of the room. And these men who had three or four wives who were thinking they were righteous and they were okay because they just presented this, this certificate, Jesus is saying true righteousness shuns divorce and it strengthens marriage. And, and Jesus goes on to say, but I tell you that anyone who divorces except in marital unfaithfulness gives one reason. If your spouse is unfaithful, and even then he doesn't, he doesn't demand divorce, he accepts divorce. The hope is that you're even going to work through that. You know what? If there is repentance in the man or the woman's heart that's been unfaithful, it gives the other believer an opportunity to show mercy and grace and forgiveness. And I'm not saying it's easy, and, and I'm not saying it's going to take just a month or so. It's hard work. But I have met, I have seen in our church where people, where one of the spouses have been unfaithful, but they have done the hard work of reconciliation and where the spouse that was faithful had it somehow was able to forgive and, and walk in forgiveness. And today their marriage is strong and healthy and they're so glad they didn't end in divorce court. See, God says, look, if there is unfaithfulness, why? Because unfaithfulness violates and sets the marriage covenant aside. Am I boring you? Sit up, will you, and look at me and say amen every now and then and just, just say something. Pretend like you're right and do something. It, unfaithfulness creates the divorce. Unfaithfulness destroys the marriage. But Jesus is not going to allow these men to distort God's word to accommodate their sin. He calls divorce sin. Jesus holds the marriage covenant in such a high esteem that he, gives, he only gives the exception of unfaithfulness. What does Paul say about divorce? We're in 1 Corinthians. Paul wrote 1 Corinthians. Now for those who are married, I have a commandment that comes not from me, but from the Lord. A wife must not leave her husband. A man must not leave his wife. Paul, Paul he just spells it out. Fundamental position of scripture on concerning marriage. Marriage is tended for life. Do not divorce. But then the next verse, verse 11, but if she does. And I... I Obviously, there were some situations, scriptures recognizing maybe that there are some marriages that are impossible to bear with. And he doesn't give examples, and, and I don't want to give examples. I, I, I don't want to say something, because I don't, I don't want to miss the will of the Lord, because I know what we do. We try to rationalize and justify, and, and we take on. This is what I know is not an impossible situation. We just can't get along. You know what that is? That's, a, that's an unwillingness to do the hard work of of finding a marriage mentor, reading a book, or getting together, or working through things. And here's another, well, I'm just not happy. God didn't, God didn't call you to be happy. He called you to be holy. He, he wants to do something in your life. And, and, and here, okay, you want to know happy? I left my wife. I lost my kids. Christmases are crazy because my kids got to go all kind of, the The stuff that it's created because of divorce, is that happy? I'd rather... I think I'd rather take that. Again, I'm not, I don't, let's just go on. But if she does, if she does, if she can't get along with him, if the unbeliever leaves, 
that she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. So again, Paul gives some real clear teaching. And this is not what the world's telling us. But I don't want to tell you what the world's telling you. I want to tell you what the Word of God tells you. And Paul is saying, there are some impossible situations. So if you get divorced, then remain unmarried. What does the Lord say through Malachi? I hate divorce. Malachi 2.16. What does... What does God not say through Malachi? I hate the divorcee. Doesn't say I hate the divorcee. Says I hate divorce. My oldest son is getting married at the end of this year. I love the girl he's marrying. She's already been part of our family. She's a believer, strong believer. Love her family. Love everything about her. I'm so excited about their marriage. It's gonna. I'm just. I'm just. They're gonna. But if for some reason they got a divorce, I'm gonna hate that divorce. But I'm not going to hate my kids. They'll always be my kids. I'm going to love them. I'm going to walk through it with them. I'm going I'm to help them in any, any way I can. You know why God hates divorce? The same reason the divorcee hates divorce. Because of the challenges and the difficulties and, and, the, and the struggles and the hurt and the complexity that divorce brings, particularly when kids are involved. Some of you grew up in those homes, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. But God does not hate the divorcee. You know what else God hates about divorce? Because he wants our marriages to reflect the big marriage. That Jesus is the bride and we're the groom. And he's, he's, he never leaves and never forsakes. And he never abuses and he never betrays. And our marriages should be reflections and pictures and portraits of the big marriage. And when, we get, when God's people get divorced, it grieves God because it's sending a, a conflicting message to a watching world of how Christ really loves the church. So God says, I, I hate divorce. It's wrong. I don't hate the divorcee. I hate divorce. It's a sin. It's not my desire. It's not my plan. It's not his standard for me, for you, or for anybody else. But here's the other thing. He also says, I forgive sin. I want you to take you to John chapter 4. Jesus goes out of his way to talk to a divorced woman. Not one time, five times she'd been divorced. And the man she was living with was not her husband. So God's got this standard. Man, I want you to live this way. I want you to have peace. I want you to have life. I, I want the best for you. But God's got this supernatural grace. She goes, I want that water that you have. He said, I'll give you living water. I want that water that you have. And they have this dialogue. and We don't get all the details of Scripture, but we do know she went back to our city. She went back to her town. And because of her testimony, most of the city gets born again. You know, we don't, again, you can't see it, but if you look at other scriptures and other interactions that God, that Jesus had, I just got to think that he took that lady by the hands and eyes full of the compassion. He said, hey, hey girl, just go and sin no more. But I want you to know this. I forgive you. I love you. And I can still use you. Oh, how did he, she, because of her testimony, a whole city just got, so God, God's got this standard. God's got this, this, this. This hatred for divorce because of what it does to families and what it does to people. But, and he will never alter his standard, but he will never refuse his grace. There is forgiveness. So what? So let's wrap this thing up. So, so, so singles, believers, married believers. And you say, well, I'm not even in the age to get married yet. I'm just trying things out. I mean, I'm encouraging you. Don't even go down that road. Young person, I mean, you, my mom used to tell me, only date who would make a good mate. I'm, you, 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 
can I, can I just talk to you as your father today? Don't, don't get, and parents and, and, and support groups and friends, can we encourage one another? Hey, who are you dating? And the first question, does he know Jesus? And if I, I've asked that to so many of our young people, and they, a lot of their responses, well, I don't even know. I'm like, why don't you know? It's the most important thing in your life. That's the most important thing. I'm not going to marry him. How do you know? And you're just setting yourself up in a pattern that, that could cause issues and struggles later on. Come, somebody help me. Amen? And then, and then married, if you're married, stay married. I mean, the, why? What, what's the big deal? Malachi 2.15. And what does he want? What does God want? He wants godly children from your union. See, because it's not only about marriage, it's about legacy. It's about, it's about passing on something to generations and generations to follow. My grandparents were married 69 years. They had five kids. All of them loved Jesus. All of them have been married for a long time. That My dad is their oldest son. Him, he and my mom have been married for 53 years. Raised in a Christian home. Were they perfect? No. Did they still struggle? Yes. But they love one another, have covenanted one another, committed to one another. And they raised me and my brother in a home that honored marriage and honored life and, 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 pray and, and gave glory to God. And now me and Angie have been married 23 years and, and we have, we, we're raising five kids. And my hope is that they'll see marriage as important and they'll fall, and the three older ones are, but they'll love Jesus and they'll have a heart for God. And they'll have kids, and the legacy will continue and continue and continue. It's not, and some of you don't come from that legacy. And I'm saying start the legacy in Jesus' name. Start it. Let it start with you. Let it start with you. Because God wants a God. He just wants godly children from your union. So what? So what do I do? Guard yourself. And always remain loyal to your wife. Look, this word today is foolishness to those who are perishing. That's what Paul said. This doesn't even make sense. This isn't even possible. But to us who are being saved, to us who are walking with Christ, it's the power of God. It's the right way. It's the way to do things. So what do I do? I guard myself. And I'm always going to... So let me just give you a few things. Here, guard your marriage. Make it a priority. Outside your relationship with Christ, there should be no greater relationship. It should be above your job and your hobby and your kids. Here's the thing I tell you often, but why don't we start doing it? Invest in your marriage. Read books. Go to seminars. Go to, they got these weekend to remembers. Date. Go on a date. Get away sometimes. Have fun. Laugh together. Get a marriage mentor. We have, we have mentors that can come alongside of you and help you. Let us know. We'll partner you with one of them. Be a mentor. If your marriage is strong, then give what, you, give what you have and come alongside maybe a younger couple or a couple that's struggling. Fight for your marriage. This is what I know. Marriage is hard, but divorce is harder. Why don't you write that down? Marriage is hard, but divorce is harder. Then, then fourthly, embrace your marriage. God gave, your, God gave you your spouse. See him or her as God's provision for your life. Listen, the grass is not always greener on the other side. And if it is, it's because they're taking better care of it. They're spending more money on it. They're investing in it. And if you'll do the same thing, maybe, maybe, maybe your yard will start turning green and be the envy of the neighborhood. Isn't that what you want for your marriage? 
Some of you do. A couple of you do. Here's David's <laughs> advice. It's a little PG-13, but I like PG-13. Here's what he says. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. Don't just endure it. Enjoy it. Why? Because she's a loving doe, a graceful deer. Let her breast satisfy you always. And may you always be captivated by her love. Amen, everybody. Amen. Bow your heads and your hearts with me. Lord, we thank you for your word, even the hard words, even the challenging words. And my, my hope today is that nobody leaves this place feeling condemned or second class. Lord, you do have a standard, but you, you also offer a lot of grace. And God, if it weren't for the grace of God, there's no telling where I'd be today, no telling what my marriage would look like today. Lord, I am so grateful for your grace that forgives, Lord, that cleanses, that washes, and I'm thankful for the grace of God that empowers me to honor your word and follow your heart. And so today, God, may the grace of God be poured out on this congregation. No condemnation, no, no guilt, Lord. No, no pouring salt in an open wound. Lord, that's not your heart, not my heart. But I do pray that new commitments would be made today. That husbands would dig in their heels and, and they, they would begin to fight for the relationship that they covenanted with their spouse and, and with you. Lord, I pray that singles would make a commitment today that they're going to honor you and walk with you. That they're going to do things your way and have your heart. Lord, there will be people that follow your word regardless of what it'll cost us, regardless of what everybody else says because God, we know that you're our father and you're our creator. That you want us to experience life and peace. And may that be fulfilled as we follow your heart in Jesus' name.